Good morning and welcome to the first podcast of the year for the Pittsburgh Current Podcast. I'm editor-publisher Charlie Deach, and um, it's cold here uh, in the mountaintops of Beachview um, this morning. Wind's blowing, whipping around. Um, however, the good part of that is the taco stand from Las Palmas. That means just means the... Uh, the smells that emanate from those fantastic tacos just sort of swirl around the neighborhood, so that's always nice. <laughs> so we have put out our first issue of the year, issue volume two, issue one. We, uh, you know, I feel like a regular like Creedence Clearwater Revival or something. My volume two of our greatest hits are about to begin. So um, issue one, you can check that out. We uh, have um, theater critic Ted Hoover, um, in my opinion, and in the opinion of a lot of others, the uh, the best theater critic in the city of Pittsburgh saw Hamilton and he, you can check out his review there. Um, he liked it. However, he, he also though brought up some, uh, some other interesting points, uh, about, uh, sort of casting in and things like that. So check that out. Um, and then we also have our neighborhood preview this or neighborhood profile this week by, uh, my lovely partner, Bethany Rue, who is staying tucked in her warm, uh, home or office right now uh, instead of instead of joining me here this morning um, she did a profile of the neighborhood of Oakland and it was uh, it's a good read it's um, uh, she's really knocking these out as far as uh, not just giving you a sense of what the neighborhood is now but kind of where it came from and where it's going so you can definitely check that out um, we have a very special guest today um, Congressman Mike Doyle, uh, who is in Washington this morning, or as my grandmother said, of course, Washington, or as your grandmother said, of course, Washington. Um, he's coming to us live for, for a few minutes today. We're going to talk about a couple of things maybe going on <laughs> down in D.C. Um, Mike Doyle, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Charlie. So, you know, it's it's kind of hard on, on on where to start, but I guess the easiest point is, so the government shut down, so are you just like, hanging out or what are you doing like flying paper airplanes because you know <laughs> shut down right <laughs> yeah well we're actually in a partial shutdown yeah uh, six agencies of the government that uh are, are not operating as we speak uh but there's several that are uh and one of them is uh you know ledge branch appropriations bill passed so uh the congress is here and and uh you know, most of the work we're doing right now is centered around getting the government back over. Right. Uh, we'll be passing, uh, we've already passed a couple, and we'll be passing uh, a couple more appropriation bills this week, sending them to the Senate uh, and trying to see if we can uh, get the Senate the budget and send them to the president. I've heard uh, recently about four Senate Republican senators uh, are going to vote with us. Uh, we need a little bit more than that to move the bills out of the Senate. Uh, but the idea is uh, we sent them a package of bills so they could pass them all and then we were reopened. Or right. we've sent them a bunch of individual bills, uh, uh, you know, one being the Treasury bill so people could get their refunds from the IRS, uh, you know, to reopen the parks. Uh, today we're going to do the, uh, uh, the the HUD bill and transportation bill. So our hope is, is that uh, whether by piecemeal or whether by a, a, a package uh, that we can get these agencies uh, reopened, it affects millions of Americans, uh, and there's about 800,000 federal workers who are on the job working uh, and, and not getting a paycheck. Uh, and tomorrow, I think, will be uh, the day where they will miss their first paycheck. So, the you know, the situation is uh, gets worse by the day. Um, 
and uh, the president's down visiting the border today. So yeah, so as we as we all know, that's that's. I mean, we're in this partial shutdown because uh, the president um, is demanding uh, five billion dollars to build his <laughs> his border wall uh, or border fence or border speed bumps. I don't know what he's what he's what he's backing down to now at this point. But um, so I mean, I'm just going to ask you this. I'm sure I know the answer. Um, this isn't something that Congress, uh, that the House, and this isn't something you guys can give into. This seems like the sort of line in the sand, and it's you know it's it's coming up right here in the beginning of this session of Congress. So it's it's coming it's coming right out of right out of the gate. But is this something that 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 you think that Democrats have to stay really hold the line on? No money for a border wall. Yeah, I think there's two issues here. Yeah, Uh, one is there's six bills that we all agree on, Republicans and Democrats, House and Senate. Uh, The president is holding those six bills hostage to the one bill that we're having a debate on, the Homeland Security bill. Our position is first, release those six bills and and reopen those agencies. And then we will sit down and have negotiations on border security. Now, Democrats have a very different idea on the most effective way to secure the border. Uh, we think a wall is ineffective. And, and remember, this wall, the $5 billion he's asking for, that's just a small down payment on what it would cost to build this wall. And right. the estimates are upwards of $40 billion. Uh, everybody knows this wall is not going to be built. Right. Uh, nor does it need to be built. Uh, there's a lot better technology today. And when, see, the president kind of have created a crisis. Uh, he manufactured a crisis to scare people that hordes of brown people, criminals, rapists, drug dealers, uh, were and terrorists were coming through the southern border, and we needed a barrier. We needed this great big 30-foot concrete wall with rebar in it to keep them from getting into the country. When the reality is, uh, for the past year, the number of terrorists apprehended at the southern border was 12 people. Right. And by the way, up in the northern border in Canada, uh, it's 41. Right. So maybe we need the wall up in Canada more than we need it down on, on, on in the Mexican border. The drugs that are coming into the country, they're primarily coming through the ports of entry. What we need is better scanning equipment so mm-hmm. that we can scan every truck and car that comes through the border instead of one out of every 10 cars or trucks that come through the border. We need some more personnel down there. Uh, this idea that this wall... Uh, somehow stops all this. It's just not based in any reality. Right. So we're we're ready to give the president money for border security. We just want to make sure that the money is effective in the best use of taxpayers' dollars. And I can tell you, spending $40 billion on a wall that, number one, you're talking about 1,900 plus miles of border, some of it not suitable for for walls and and a lot of it private property that the government would have to take by eminent domain and would be tied up in the courts for years. So this this is just a bad idea. Uh, But, you know, he's sort of wedded to it now and he's painted himself into a corner and he's not quite sure how to get out of it. I think it's funny, too, that, you know, all of a sudden, you know, now and I guess, look, he's got he's got two he's got two years left on his term. And and I I think from the day he stepped in office, the only thing on his mind was how he was going to keep that office for eight years and not not do anything maybe in the first four. So what what 
what what puzzles me though is he he had his he had his own house he had his own senate for two years and couldn't get this this done i, I just i'm not sure where the logic is that this is the time that that he th- although he's i think in his mind he's running out of time in terms of this is the big promise that he made of all the of all those sort of inflated and and sort of cockamamie <laughs> promises that he made on the campaign trail this is the one that 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 i think all of his constituents are, are going to hold him to. And so now it seems like uh, we're taking, we're taking the hit because he may, he, he's, he's determined to keep this promise somehow it seems. Yeah. And, and uh, people need to remember he blew up a deal yeah. uh, that could have had uh, when, when we put a, and, and that deal, by the way, provided $25 billion uh, in return for passing, you know, uh, giving dreamers uh, legal status right. in the country. And then, you know, uh, he, it's government by right wing talk and radio show host. Right. Uh, he gets the call from Rush or Ann uh, or Sean and they tell him, hey, we don't like what you're doing. And then he backs down. Uh, it's the same with this recent uh, debacle we're in. He agreed to sign the bill that the House and Senate agreed to. Mitch McConnell got the green light. So right. what's Mitch do? He puts the bill on the floor. They voice it. They get 100 to nothing. And then it gets down to the house. All of a sudden, Ann Coulter goes into a hissy fit and, 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 and Rush Limbaugh. And then the president says, I'm not going to sign the bill. And here we are in a shutdown. Um, you know, I said, if we want to get this done, we don't need to negotiate with the president. Nancy and Chuck should be going down to see Ann Coulter and Rush Limbaugh to get this thing done. Oh, God help us right on that one. Um, yeah, no, it is. It's, I've, I've never seen. And, and forget about forget about presidents. I've never seen. Uh, you know, and I've seen my share of of politicians that are of a question whether they should, you know, be in office, uh, present company excluded, of course, Mike. Um, but I've never seen someone so controlled by, and not even not public opinion, but you're right, the opinion of a few people that he deems whatever uh, uh, that you know, right or 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 correct. I've just I've never seen someone you know so concerned about their you know, about, about, about that over the, the, the good of the American people. Well, I mean, this is the apprentice president. Right. Uh, he thinks he's in another TV reality show. Uh, and he cares very deeply about what these, these, uh, people that control a lot of thought and opinion on the right wing, uh, have to say. And, and so when he starts to get criticized, uh, by those people, he thinks also his base is turning on him and, and, uh, and then he reacts the way he's reacting. I mean, he threw Mitch McConnell under the bus. If you notice, Mitch hasn't been at many of those press conferences uh, after the negotiations. I mean, he may have be sitting in on the negotiations, but he sure as heck ain't right. uh, in front of the president. I mean, he, he got burned by the president. And I think that's why he's saying, you know, until I see something in writing, uh, you're not going to burn me again like that. Right. And, and Mike, you, you, I know that you have, you have some, uh, you know, you, you've, you've worked with some of these folks for years. And this is maybe this is a stupid question, but one thing that that I you know I really feel like we're in, and we all know it. We're all in this the emperor has no clothes type situation. Why can't why can't leaders uh, on 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 the Republican side why can't they why why won't they like I think they see it, but why won't they admit it? I mean, if they is there a point where they sort of abandon the president and and and, you know you know we've seen it from time to time we've seen some. You know, Jeff Flake, for example, we've we've seen some folks sort of stand up to the president, at least 
momentarily. I mean, the late John McCain, obviously, when he when he made his his famous vote there, this almost seems to me and others to the outside that this is kind of a sinking a sinking ship here. Why are Republicans, do you think, reluctant to call well, him out? I, I think you see how they really feel when they leave. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Bob Corker, uh, Jeff Flake, John McCain, uh, uh, the late John McCain, uh, his staff, uh, he, he's not able to find a chief of staff. I mean, you got Mick Mulvaney doing three jobs now. Right. Because nobody wants to be his chief of staff. Uh, both generals that, you know, he held in such high regard uh, have left the administration. Yeah. A lot of the people that gave us a little bit of comfort uh, that there was going to be some adults around this guy. Right. Uh, they're gone. And, and, uh, and, you know, and then you hear somebody like Trump saying, I, I think I would have been a good general. This guy got five deferments because <laughs> his father paid off a podiatrist to say he had bones first. Right. And, and he sees himself as maybe a great general. Uh, he, he, um, he, he, he just strikes me as, as someone that's unstable and, and the people around him that we hope would provide some stability are slowly but surely leaving his administration. So now it's just, you know, Jared and Ivanka and, 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 you know, and some of the real right wing stormtroopers he has in there are left in the administration. Right. And, and uh, Republicans are concerned about it and they'll express it privately. Uh, but I still think as long as they think their base supports him. Uh, they're afraid to publicly oppose this guy. Uh, a couple things I want to get to. I know we're on a limited time here. Um, I, I, I wanted to, um, I was going to ask this toward the end, but I'll ask this now because it seems like a good place to go into it. Um, you know, there, there've been, you know, subtle talks about impeachment in the past, uh, in the past two years. Now that we have a Republic or I'm sorry, a Democrat controlled house, how likely is impeachment and how much is impeachment being talked about with this, with this new body? Not much. There are a few people in the caucus that talk about it. I think most of us believe that impeachment shouldn't be a political process, uh, that if the country is going to accept, uh, whatever the Mueller report reveals, uh, then it, it should be free of politics. Uh, so I think most of us, and I know myself personally, uh, I think the best, way for us to move forward is to let Mueller do his job, make sure that the administration can't interfere with him doing right. his job, make sure his report is public and not buried by the administration. Uh, and then, you know, we have other agencies, uh, other committees in the House uh, that have some work to do uh, in, in that regard. And let the facts speak for themselves. And if the facts lead us to a point where he's done something that's impeachable, well, then then that's the time to make that decision. But I think it's premature to talk about impeachment uh, when we don't have all the facts yet. Right. And that that was the other topic I wanted to talk to you about was the, was the Mueller investigation. Um, I haven't heard as much talk lately about uh, the president potentially trying to to shut that down. But there are are there are there things that the House can do to kind of make sure that this that the Mueller investigation and I think we will I think it seems like anyway we're so far into this it seems like it 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 is going to reach uh the point where there's a report made and issued. Um but it is 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 there are there are some steps right that the House can make to make sure that um that Trump can't derail this by by removing Mueller here in the 11th hour or where whatever hour we happen to be in with this report. Yeah, I, I, I think I think they're afraid to do that. I think what they're preparing to do is to attack the report 
you know, and try to claim, you know, they've been trying to discredit Mueller uh, for quite some time as, as political. If you see uh, Rod Rosenstein is, is uh, announced that he'll be yeah. leaving uh, the administration, that causes us some concern. Sure. Um, but I think, you know, the House Intelligence Committee, the Judiciary Committee, uh, there's still work to be done in those committees. Uh, Jerry Nadler and Adam Schiff are both very competent members uh, that are going to go where the where the facts lead them. And they're going to they're going to still be holding hearings and and bringing people down before them. We can always bring Mueller in to testify. Sure. Uh, once the report is issued and, and he's finished his work. Um, so we're not going to let this report be buried. Uh, or, or redacted or anything like that. I mean, I think that um, uh, the American people deserve to know what, what he found. And if he's found uh, that, that the president's done nothing wrong, well, then that, end, you know, that ends that discussion. Uh, but we don't know until he does his report. And I think a lot of us are just going to make sure that nobody messes with him, let him do his work. And when his work comes out, uh, I think it can have credibility because Democrats and Republicans in the country uh, have to see this for what it is and see the facts uh, and reach those conclusions. This can't be a partisan impeachment. Uh, those never work. Uh, this has to be the country is convinced that this guy has done something that's impeachable. And if he has, we'll move forward. If he hasn't, uh, then that ends that chapter. Right. Finally, Mike, I want to talk to you a little bit as, as we said, you know, you, you're, you're there other than, you know, these are the things that grab the headlines. Um, but, you know, there's other work to obviously be done in D.C. And um, you are expected to be named the chairman of the Communications and Technology uh, Committee of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. Um, what kind of things are you, you we were talking a little beforehand and one of the, one of the big things that you're working on now is, is net neutrality. Um, talk to me a little bit about where that, you know, kind of, kind of what your plans are going forward with, uh, with net neutrality. Sure. Uh, our committee has oversight of the federal communications commission. Uh, the FCC under Tom Wheeler, uh, during the Obama administration had implemented a set of net neutrality rules, which basically said that ISPs couldn't block, they couldn't throttle, they couldn't do paid prioritization where, uh, you know, someone can pay for fact faster access than someone else. Uh, it's sort of the rules of the road, and uh, they were enshrined in, in Title II of the FCC, uh, and they had, you know, authority uh, to levy fines and take actions if, if an ISP violated these principles. Um, they didn't like this, and, and uh, under the Republican administration, when the president uh, appointed Ajak Pai to be the new chairman of the FCC, mm -hmm. one of the first things he did was to uh, abolish the net neutrality rules. Uh, now, two things have happened. Ed Markey in the Senate uh, introduced a CRA, it's the Congressional Review Act, to undo uh, this action. He was able to get that passed in the Senate because in the Senate you only need 51 votes, and, and he was able to get that. Uh, the problem in the House, I introduced the CRA in the House. Uh, problem is Chair, uh, Speaker Ryan refused to bring the CRA to the floor, and it had to be done before the end of the year. So we had to use a discharge petition, which requires 218 signatures in order to get that bill to the floor. Well, we fell short of that because we needed to get about 24 Republicans to sign on with us, and we, I think we got two. Right. Uh, so now we're in a new session of Congress. The CRA is dead. But well, one of the things our committee can do, and one of the things we're going to be taking a look at, 
is introducing uh, a net neutrality bill in the House of Representatives uh, and try to do it in, in such a way that it sort of concurs with what the 51 senators voted for uh, so that we have a chance to get this uh, through in the Senate. And I would say that, that we have Republicans that support net neutrality. This really shouldn't be a Democrat-Republican issue as, right. far as, as far as I can see. You know, the ISP say that uh, they're not doing this anymore. Uh, the reason the rules went into place is because they were doing it. Right. And, and while they may be behaving themselves now for a few months uh, because they, they don't want to get caught doing this again, uh, if they're not going to do it, I don't see the, the, the risk in saying, okay, if you're not going to do it anyway, let's just put it in the statute uh, and make sure that, you know, a year from now that you still can't do it. Uh, so that's one of the things we're looking at. The other big issue we need to tackle is around privacy. You know, who owns your data? Uh, you know, we found organizations like Facebook uh, that was taking people's data and, and selling them to third parties. And, and, and people didn't know this. They didn't consent to it. Uh, they're regulated under a different agency, the Federal Trade Commission which unfortunately doesn't have rulemaking authority or even the ability to find a company the first time they have a violation. Facebook has been under a consent decree for over 10 years at the Federal Trade Commission. It's like a joke. They have like two people working on Facebook because they have jurisdiction over the entire economy, not just tech. Right. So one of the things we're looking at is, you know, do we need perhaps uh, an agency focused exclusively on technology issues and privacy issues. Um, you know how it is when you go on the internet, right? You, you wanna get into a site and you have to click the I agree button. Well, you know, there's terms and conditions. Now, if you've ever downloaded the terms and conditions to read them, and I've done this, uh, it's about- Congratulations, Congressman. <laughs> yeah, legalese, and after you get to page two, you're just like, well, you know, yeah. and, and, and uh, you just hit the I agree button, because you can't get in, unless you hit the I agree button. Right. Uh, we think that process needs to be much more transparent. Uh, and we think there needs to be options if you don't want to agree to the terms of the conditions uh, that, that they have specifically, uh, how you can get into that service. Maybe it's a, a pay versus no pay kind of situation. Sure. Uh, the reality is we should own our data and we shouldn't, no one should be allowed to use our data without our permission. And I think most Americans feel that way strongly. And I think most are unaware how much their data is being used. Right. You know, if you're wearing, you know, I have a Fitbit on my wrist. Uh, this is transmitting a lot of information about my blood, my blood pressure, my heart rate, whether I exercise or not. They know how many steps I do every day or don't do. Right. Uh, contraptions are being put on automobiles that are, are sending data about how you're driving your car. Uh, you know, and it goes on and on and on. If you have a smartphone, uh, like we all do, uh, if you're on the internet, uh, they know just about, you know, if you're, if you get one of them 23 and me swabs on your cheek, <laughs> right. your DNA is everywhere. Right. And I think a lot of people understand how much of their life, uh, is public information and being sold to parties that they don't even know about, uh, who may or may not use that for, for purposes that we don't want to do. So uh, in this new age of technology, I think this is something we have to, to look at and, and do it in a way that doesn't stifle innovation, but at the same time empowers people to understand what's going on with their data. Right. 
Congressman Mike Doyle, thank you so much for all the time today. I know we held you a little longer. Um, a lot of stuff to, to, to pay attention to, obviously, as, as we move through this. Um, Congressman, thank you very much. Good luck to you and your colleagues as you uh, try to get the partial government shutdown to be a non-shutdown government, or whatever those terms may be. Thank you very much, Congressman. Just let me say that I appreciate the work you've done. Uh, I've followed you throughout your career, and, you. and uh, you've uh, you've done some very good journalism. I'm glad to see uh, that this new uh, venture that you're into is going well, and I wish you a lot of success. Thank you very much, Congressman. Uh, Congressman Mike Doyle, thank you very much for coming on. Um, wow, that was very nice. I I was uh, I was thinking about that. I think I've had. Uh, I think I've had my bank accounts hacked, I think, two or three times, but I think they've stopped because there's nothing There's nothing in there. I think they've realized it's a waste of time. They see my social security number come up on the black web, and it's got like a, you know, they, they used to put the picture of the person up on the do not take checks at the convenience store. Don't take checks from this guy. I think uh, somewhere in the dark web is uh, my picture says do not do not use his social security number. You'll, uh, you'll get, you get hit with fees. Um, so yeah, it was a lot, lot to sort of process. Um, I don't know. The, the, it's, it's, it's tough. I'm, I'm sure it's, um, you know, I know we give our politicians a lot of, uh, a lot of grief sometimes, but it's got to be tough to be in that situation when you're, you know, dealing with. Uh, I can't imagine not if he's not if Donald Trump is not the most, uh, you know, the the hardest person in the world to try and deal with, because, again, when nobody knows exactly what's driving his thought processes and his uh, late night tweets and uh, his trips to the border while um, the government is shut down and, and, you know, we're we're our our airport security is basically in the hands of TSA agents who aren't going to receive a paycheck after today. And, you know, not that I think any of those folks would, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's, it's tough when you're, when you're worried about, when you're worried about your paycheck, you're worried about your family. And, um, you know, there's just, I think there's just a lot at stake here. And so I'm glad to hear that, uh, at least there's an effort out there on both sides. It would seem at least partially on, uh, you know, to, to kind of get this taken care of. Um, new issue on the, on the, on the streets this week. Again, our, our, uh, review of Hamilton, um, Sue Kerr has a, uh, she has a column this week on, uh, maybe what kind of predictions of what 2019 might hold for, uh, civil rights protections for the LGBT community, as well as some other, um, as well as some other predictions there. Um, but the most, the most exciting slash fun thing is, um, go to our website, um, pittsburgh.com and, uh, we have our sex issue coming up on February 5th and, um, there'll be a lot of stories we're, we're, we're working on, we're working on some, some, some stories about, you know, uh, I don't want to give. I don't want to. I don't want to give. I don't want to give it all away. But but we're working on a wide variety of stories, including things like sexual health and and consent, and we're looking at all sort of aspects of sex. But what we've put up online is a is a fun quiz. Um, uh, please be uh not um, if you <laughs> if you blush at a salty at uh, if you blush at adult themes, you might want to skip it. Um. But, um, yeah, so we're just asking some, some information, you know, about, uh, your sexual history and your sexual, 
you know, preferences. And I know that seems nebby, but, um, you know, we're putting together, we're putting together the, uh, we're trying to get the, the kind of the ultimate Pittsburgh sex survey. And it is called how yin's banging. And it's on our, it's on our website. It's the link to the, to the, to the survey is on our website at, uh, www.pittsburghcurrent.com. Um, so yeah, I think that uh, that is probably going to do it for today. Um, stay tuned to our Facebook page as well as our social media at PGH Current. Um, we may have a programming swap next week. We have a guest um, coming into town that um, was originally coming in on Thursday. They're now coming in on Friday. So we think we may move the show, but keep track of our social media and we'll uh, we'll let you know. Um and um, until then, have a great week. And uh, the winter, the ch- the how one hundred things to help you chill out this winter. We are, our winter guide is coming out on the twenty second, so look forward to that. Um, Charlie Deej, Pittsburgh Current. Thanks a lot. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.